0: This is the Data Privacy Detective. A lot happened in the world of privacy in the month of August 2023. In World News, India passed a much-awaited act that is pretty comprehensive we're going to talk about. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau announced uh, that it was going to be regulating data brokers with new uh, privacy regulations. That's big news. And in the biometric sphere, uh, that's something that's in the news every month. We have Clearview, not a, uh, a, a first-timer to government looking into what it's doing, scraping data and using it, biometric information. Uh, and then a number of states and individuals in New York, have, it's not just Clearview, and it's not just facial recognition. They've uh, sued Amazon and Starbucks over biometric data. So a lot to talk about this month. And with me, as it's true uh, in these past months, are my good friends and colleagues, Brian Sanamore and Yugo Nagashima. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining. Good to chat again.
1: Glad to be back.
0: And Yugo, welcome back as always. Thank you so much. Good to be back. A lot to talk about. And they're both uh, partners uh, at the law firm of Frost Brown Todd and part of the firm's data security and privacy team. Well, Hugo, let's start with you, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB. How's it getting into privacy? What's going on?
2: Well, they've announced that they will be creating new regulations for data brokers. Um, and this has been due to a certain practice that has been going on with the uh, the major credit reporting companies and uh, some of the people buying the information. Well, tell us about it. What's the sure. news for August? Sure. So what's been happening, what's, what's led to this CFPB announcing that they'll regulate the data brokers further is that there's been reports where a certain information that let's say you know Experian TransUnion Equifax is dealing with the credit credit reporting companies are dealing with called credit header data which includes name and address social security numbers this has been uh provi- been provided to other companies during the background checks or sometimes even sold to other companies uh, just as information and when those information are, are sold They're either used by those companies to target people who are in debt uh, or people who are in a tough place, right? And then these companies would then further send uh, messages saying, hey, you know, why don't you use our debt canceling services, which sometimes are very predatory. There's also been this another story that this credit header data that's being sold between uh, the data brokers and the downstream uh, companies that use it either for legitimate purposes, for uh, background checks or uh, just checking for credit. For example, if you are a uh, bank, you want to make sure that you can give a mortgage to a uh, customer. Uh, these background checks are used. At that time, the credit header data may be sold to a different party in the process. In that, some threat actors have, uh, you know, hackers have gotten hold of that information. And they're setting this, selling this credit header information for about as low as $15 to $30, depending on how much details there there is. And that's basically been a sounding alarm for the CFPB to act.
0: Well, no, it's a, the Bureau. What, what's its role? How, how can it act? What federal law is involved that says, hey, CFPB, do something about this?
2: Great question. How they can act. The statutory authority, I think, on this one is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And this law is relatively broad. Um, but it, we understand it as being narrow because we typically think of it when, you know, Experian TransUnion, uh, Equifax provides a background check to a company, but it's, it's broader than that. And I think we're seeing the, regulations come into play saying we're going to make it very clear that it's broader than that we're going to be we're going to start enforcing this act in a more broader way because typically people think of it as just covering data for payment histories or income or for banks for getting mortgages or criminal backgrounds for joining a company but there's more personal information that these companies trade so the regulation is going to be more stricter and especially stricter on discredit header data.
0: Right, and <clears throat> any expectation of timing on this?
2: So we expect the proposed rule to uh, to receive public comment uh, in twenty twenty four. So by next year, we will start seeing some uh, proposed regulations. But uh, until then, uh, we'll have to sit sit tight and see what happens. Very
0: good, Brian. Uh, what, what, what's your thought that you would add on on this one? The CFPB uh, getting involved in digital privacy.
1: Yeah, and I thought Hugo made a great point about the the breadth of this this law, and this is definitely some interesting rulemaking to watch because the breadth is so large at, at times, and so the people who get brought in and the types of actions that are considered a, you know, whether it's background checks or financial, you know, most people think of these laws protecting just the mortgage process or or banking process, but in reality, they they affect everything from hiring and who you as a company you know, contract with to help provide those services for you. So I think paying close attention to see where the breadth of this law, especially in this world where privacy is becoming such an important kind of beacon of focus, um, both from regulators and private businesses.
0: Well, we'll come back to this one for sure. Well, let's turn to you, uh, Brian. Thank you, Hugo, for that. Uh, biometrics. It's in the news again. It always will be, I suppose. And many of us think of it as uh, facial recognition and police uh, outfits uh, using uh, facial recognition supplied by Clearview, um, one of the leaders in that field. Uh, but it's more than that, isn't it? But tell us what happened in August with biometrics.
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, first up is, you know, us revisiting the, uh, the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act and, and kind of an update in what's going on in the Clearview case where Clearview was, a lawsuit was filed because Clearview was alleged to have been scraping kind of facial recognition information and then creating a database that um, was then searchable. And so they were selling that information to companies to be able to utilize that, that data all allegedly without, without the proper consents. And the update here is the the parties, the lead plaintiffs in the class action case are um, had signaled along with Clearview that it seems like they're going to reach a settlement. And so they have a framework in place. So that will be one to watch in the next couple of weeks to see if they're able to progress. And it's interesting because this is the second um, kind of BIPA case that is kind of headed towards settlement. So we haven't yet had... Um, a real determination on kind of where damages are going to play out in these cases, um with this being the the second of kind of two really big cases, which the BNSF railway case we talked about last month kind of also kind of progressed to to settlement
0: right. And then we have uh, Amazon and Starbucks getting in, in into a lawsuit uh, they're they're sued uh, over biometrics. now what what do they have to do with that? and what's this new lawsuit about?
1: Yeah. So this one applies in New York City law. So, you know, we were at the state level in Illinois that had a private right of action. And now we're at the, the city level um, with a with the, the law around providing notice to um, the people shopping that they're, they're recording information. In this case, it had to deal with an Amazon Go and then Starbucks, you know, as well, were alleged to be taking and recording kind of the facial images of the individuals as they were were shopping the store, or in Amazon's case, maybe a little bit broader than that, but they didn't meet the requirement that they had the proper notice in place to let everyone know that they were that were recording that information and that they so they didn't give the, the parties the opportunity to quote unquote consent by staying in the the space. And, it, and this is something that we're seeing more and more often in a lot of these cases where the consent is really the the primary trigger of, of liability, and it's kind of interesting to see that this is now, again, another case that's focusing almost exclusively on consent.
0: And so here, the what would Amazon or Starbucks have to do? Do you post something at the door of the store? I mean, I'm trying to understand how this might work.
1: Yeah, in this case, that's really what the requirement is under the city, the city ordinance, it, they just have to provide a a sign you know that lets them know that they're being recorded so it gives them the opportunity to walk away if they don't want to be recorded as part of or participate in that. So it, it these consents on most of these statutes across the country are are not that hard to meet as long as you actually provide and hit those kind of notice thresholds.
0: It's sort of increasing the awareness that we do have choices about our privacy. Hugo, uh, what would you add on biometrics?
2: So, I want to talk about the Clairview case a little bit, because what we're seeing in the US, um, this is a continuation of something that has already happened last year in Europe. Uh, we saw that Clearview AI, was um, there was an inquiry by the Italian Data Protection Authority into Clairview AI's practice of data scraping in the same manner that we're seeing, uh, as Brian talked about here under B- BIPA. With Europe, it was with the GDPR. And again, consent was one of the big issues. So last year, there was some discussions between Europe and the US where it's like, well, it's a different system. But here we're starting to see a convergence that consent is very important. So through, even though we have different laws, the result is becoming very similar, right? Because, for example, the New York City law is noticed, but Brian says consent is very important but needs consent, GDPR needs consent, so consent, getting consent for something like biometric information, I believe is becoming a de facto standard, and that's something that companies should be aware of, especially in the world of data scraping, and it's very hard to give notice and try to get consent, especially when it's just something on your uh, Facebook feed, right? So that this is something that um, people have to really think about going forward.
0: On the rise. Well, let's take a spin of the globe, and uh, I'll help you understand what happened in India in August. The world's greatest uh, democracy, uh, size-wise, uh, largest population now, surpassing China, finally passed, after five years and five drafts, a Digital Personal Data Protection Act. And India's president has assented to it, so it's going to become law. It's not law yet. I did mention that. And how do we think about this? What, what, is, what do we make of it? Well, the first thing I'd say is it's really sort of regulation light. It's not regulation heavy. It isn't what GDPR is and it isn't sectoral the way the United States uh, has chosen to tackle data privacy, at least until now, taking sector by sector for medical and other information. So it's regulation-like. What you won't find is a comprehensive list of such privacy concerns as privacy by design that you find in the GDPR. There's no mention of that in the uh, Indian Act. You'll find also that the government uh, has basically exempted itself from having the law apply to it, uh, which is uh, uh, disturbing to some and uh, reassuring to those uh, in favor of law and order within India and perhaps in the Indian government. Sensitive personal information, which is uh, increasingly uh, established, as different from just personal information. Not in India. It's either personal information or it's not. Uh, prior, prior draft, it included the idea of sensitive. That's gone. But the heart of it is consent. And this is what Hugo was just talking about. Uh, legitimate interest, as we've come to know it, is really not part of the Indian Act at all. It it requires consent of an individual uh, for what it covers in protecting their personal privacy. Now, legitimate use of personal information that a person provides to someone, let's say in applying for a job, that's addressed. But the heart of Indian uh, privacy law from this act is now a voluntary consent by someone whose personal information of any kind is going to be used. Well, when will the act be in force? Quite interesting. It will have a rolling notification uh, period. And this could take place over the next uh, months and uh, perhaps a full year, maybe more, when the government decides to notify, meaning make effective. Parts of the act that it deems ready to be effective. One example is that the Data Protection Board of India is being created. Well, they have to notify that soon so that they can then follow by appointing members to it and doing other things. So you'll see a rolling uh, ability of this act to become law in India. India, remember, pr- processes more personal information about people than any other country. In the world, it has a large and successful uh, outsourcing uh, industry, giants such as TCS and Infosys. And the act exempts them on how they process the personal information of non India persons. So, very reassuring to the outsourcing industry. Now, that's quite a twist. And what happened here? Well, the government wanted to reassure global business that it's in step with global privacy standards so that. It is does now have a comprehensive code, or will be effective soon, about Indian residents, but being very flexible, uh, basically exempting how an Indian outsourcing company can handle the privacy of non-Indian citizens and residents. The exemption, basically, of government isn't quite that clear. First, the Act directly exempts the judiciary and certain other Uh, government entities from the act completely. Secondly, it affects uh, those government authorities that the government in the future will choose to exclude from coverage of the act. And third, the government is exempt from various provisions that would allow, for example, an individual to seek correction or deletion of data. So it's not quite a wholesale exemption of, of government from the scope of the act, but it's a very broad one. Uh, A very sharp departure from GDPR, and I would think would give India no chance of being viewed as an adequate level of data privacy protection from a GDPR standpoint. So what you have here is a regulation light approach and a very important point I'll conclude on about India's uh, new act, for a time it was thought that india was going to declare data sovereignty and impose data localization on flows of data about indian residents it chose not to do that quite instead it's taken a very global approach on being able to have data flow across borders and has not joined the ranks of data localizers such as china and russia a lot more to talk about we'll come back to it but Hugo, you what's your takeaway about India?
2: Thanks, Joe. Um, one of the takeaways, and uh, companies not in India should be aware, is you will be treated as a data controller, or what they call the data fiduciary, uh, if you're pro or a processor if you're processing digital personal data outside of India in connection with any activity or offering of goods or services to data principles, data subject within India, which means you should be aware that if you collect any personal information about a Indian resident or, and again, resident meaning it could be a citizen in India, or it could be someone who's a foreigner in India, you will have to comply with this new law. And you you should be aware of that because again, India is a growing economy. As Joe said, it's the most populous country in the world. There's going to be a lot of business. So companies thinking of selling into India should start considering how to comply with this uh, Data Protection Act.
0: Well, that's a very good point. Uh, India, the, India's government will roll out uh, further information about uh, uh, the requirements of what Hugo just talked about and how big you have to be and what the numbers are and this sort of thing. But uh, that's a very important point you've added, and it's not too early to start getting familiar with this major new act of the world's most populous country. Well, you go and uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's see what happens uh, in September. I'm sure there'll be news to report, and we'll be back with you in October. As always, I will conclude by reminding us all, protecting your personal data begins with you.